Welcome to Success Is Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Portman, serial entrepreneur, author, and podcast host. Whether success for you is more money, time with your family, a healthy, well-balanced life, or freedom, I'm interviewing guests and getting you the advice to make it happen. So join me as we uncomplicate the complicated, help you define success, and give you the strategies to make it happen. Hello, and thank you for joining me today on the Successes Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Portman. Joining me today is CFO, founder, and co-host of the Next Level University Podcast, Kevin Palmieri. Thank you for joining us today, Kevin. Phil, I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to chat, and my goal is to match your energy. If I can do that, this will be a successful episode. Absolutely. We're incredibly excited to have you today. So uh, let's start off with, tell us a little bit about what does success mean to you, Kevin? Mm. Success to me is being well-rounded when it comes to health, when it comes to wealth, and when it comes to love, being the most holistically successful I can, being well-rounded in all of those, being competent in all of those, and having more than enough when it comes to all of those. And it's interesting, Phil, because when I was in my mid-20s, I found quote-unquote success. I was uh, dating a, a model. I was in the best shape of my life because I had just done a bodybuilding show. I had a sports car, I had a high paying job, a new apartment, but I was pretty miserable, all things considered. And I went through a, a tough breakup. And the next year I said, although I have a lot of internal pain and probably a lot of mirrors to look at, I'm going to go make as much money as possible because I know that's going to fix the problem. Right. And that next year I was traveling for the entire year i did weatherization so it was our job to go into a state or government-owned building and make it more energy efficient most of our contracts were out of state so i lived in new hampshire we did the majority of our work in new jersey which for those who don't know is five to seven hours away depending on where you're working and that year that i was so focused on money I worked in New Jersey, I worked in Virginia, I worked in New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Pennsylvania. I was on the road for 10 months out of the 12 months, every single week living out of a suitcase, living out of hotels, and it made it very hard for me to live a quote-unquote normal life. But what happened was I got to the end of the year, I had my final pay stub, I was standing at my kitchen table, I opened it up. And my goal was to make $100,000 at 26 with no college degree. And I did. I made $100,000. And I remember having that moment of I expected to feel a lot better than I do now. Nothing really changed. And that was a challenge for me. That was a, a big mirror point for me in my life. And what I did with that was I said, well, for most of my life, especially this past year, I have been living unconsciously. What is the opposite of unconscious? hyperconscious. So I started a podcast called the hyperconscious podcast. And I started having these deep conversations with people about life and about the way they thought and their fears and their goals and their relationships. And I just fell in love with that. But the problem was it's very hard to be a podcaster and be somebody who travels all the time for work. So it was almost like overnight, I, I just stopped caring about my job and I didn't care about the money anymore to a detriment, honestly. And I started calling out of work. I would show up late. I would leave the job site early. And it got to the point where I would go to sleep on Sunday night at like 9 p.m. I would sleep until midnight. And then I would drive five to seven hours directly to the job site Monday morning. 
oh and then God. work an eight hour day and then go to the gym after. Cause I was just so sick of not sleeping in my bed. It was just, it was just a grind. I was really, really, really burning the candle at both ends. And the, the biggest shift for me, the, the moment that changed my life more than anything, I was in a hotel in New Jersey and it was a cold winter morning. My alarm clock goes off. I sit up, I slide to the edge of the bed and I'm lacing up my work boots. And I'd done this a thousand times before, but this morning, something was different. It was like there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time. And every single one was on a different station. Mm. And one is saying, you're stuck here forever. I know you want to leave, but you'll never make this kind of money again. If you do leave, what will your friends think? If you do leave, what will your family think? And if you do leave, are you really going to be a successful podcaster? That's probably not in the cards for you. And in that moment, I felt if I took my life, I would take my problems with me. Now, I didn't have a plan. I didn't, you know, I wasn't physical about it, but I really felt the lowest I had ever felt. And I just didn't want to exist anymore. Very blessed that I have a wonderful business partner who was a friend at the time. I messaged him and said, hey, I'm really going through it. I don't know what to do. And he said, Kev, so much has changed over the last couple of years for you. I mean, you're more aware than you've ever been. You're tracking habits. You're, you're really making something of yourself, but your environment hasn't changed that much. I think it's time for you to change your environment. So three or four months later, I left my job and I became a very broke entrepreneur trying to figure out this podcast thing. And that led us to changing our name down the road and growing the business and getting to where we are today, where we're doing an episode every day. And that's the the main part of my business now. Yeah, no, that's a great story. I, I love hearing when people find their version or what they think success is, and then they get to it and they're like, well, that ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't it, right? Yeah. And I've done it myself. You know, I, I had reached a, a peak in my career and I was like, you know, I, I, feel like this is success. I saw it in the movies when I was younger, right? And I, I, this has got to be it. But then you're not happy, right? Um, what would you suggest for individuals that are in that spot too, where they're like, you know what, I, I this was my dream always growing up. And then all of a sudden, something happened. Either they just had an awakening where they decided like, hey, this isn't what I want for my life. Or maybe it was even COVID kind of ripped them out mm -hmm. of it. And they had those type of things. And they're, they're looking around at their life going, this isn't what I want. This is what I want to do the rest of my life. Mm. What are your recommendations for somebody in that, in that, in that type of environment? Yeah, I think it starts with a deeper understanding and an awareness that happiness is results-based and fulfillment is mission-based. So this is my favorite analogy to use because it works really well. If this podcast goes well, I will be happy. Result. If this podcast doesn't go well and my technology craps the bed or I can't get a point across, maybe I won't be super happy. Regardless of how it goes, I will be fulfilled because I'm in the process of doing something I love and something I believe I should be doing toward the future. I believe that what happens is people start something assuming that the result will bring them happiness and it will fill a void that they have in their life somewhere. It will bring you momentary happiness, but happiness is not constant. Happiness is not steady. Most people aren't happy to wake up and go to the gym at four in the morning, but they feel fulfilled later in the day when they had a really productive day and they feel like they got closer to their goals. So I believe it's that understanding that the car is good. Awesome. The money is good. The house is good. The relationship's good. All that. 
the thing that's going to fulfill you is the way that you actually get that if it's based on helping other people or based on the service of betterment. I really believe that's what it is, is we have a mission and then we have a vehicle. So if your mission is impact, you just have to make sure you have the right vehicle. And if you know what your vehicle is, you just have to figure out what the mission behind why you're doing that is. But yeah, I really think it starts with that understanding. Happiness is results-based. Fulfillment is journey-based. It's alignment-based. It's on-purpose-based. And I think those are two very different things. But that's the thing is, I mean, we look at celebrities, we assume they're all happy. I don't think they are. And we assume they're all fulfilled. I would bet money that most of them are because everybody thinks they're happy, so they have to pretend to be happy. And it's this weird thing that unless you can see behind the scenes of somebody's life, you don't really know how they're actually feeling. You know how they're looking, but you don't know how they're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Happiness, that's a lot deeper. And, you know, I, I think as us as humans, we, you know, we, we like to chase comfort and, and avoid displeasure and that sort of thing. And a lot of those seeking happiness is really short term, right? Yeah. And um, at least I find in my life, if I embrace the suck, if you will, sometimes and go through some of those, those tough things and face them head on. I get better long-term results out of it. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so something you talk about is habits and consistency. You're talking about that uh, before. Um, how has that impacted your long-term journey? I believe, so I think a lot of people assume they're not consistent. And I don't think that's, that's true. I believe human beings are consistent creatures. It's usually toward the path of least resistance. So, if you go to the drive-through every day consistently, you're just consistently making what might not be the best decision. That's all. So that that part I think is a, an important piece to rewiring. It's not that you're not something; it's just that you're not aligned something yet. It's helped me in so many ways because I I never felt smart enough. I still deal with imposter syndrome, right? I don't feel good enough. I still have those days, but the consistency of showing up over the last five years has shown me things I never would have seen. And it gives me opportunities that I never would have had before. I love the splits analogy. I don't know about you, Phil. I can't do the splits right now, but if I practiced every day for the next year, there's no reason I couldn't, mm -hmm. right? Unless there's some sort of, you know, physical disability or something along those lines, most people could do the splits if they tried long enough. And I like to use that analogy as, a lesson for life where you can try something one time and it's probably not going to go super well. But if you think of it from like a video game experience, when you're in the first level, you learn things that you need later on. You get tools that you'll use later on. You might pick up a sword in the first level that you don't use to level eight. But if you don't go through level one, you're just going to assume you have a bunch of stuff that you can't use or you're going to assume your current skills are where your future skills are. And that's just not the way it is. So for me, it has proved, helped me prove to myself that I'm actually way more capable than I ever gave myself credit for because we only see where we are. Most people aren't able to see where they're capable of going. They only see where they are today. And where you are today does not bring you to where you want to be eventually, but it can bring you to tomorrow. And then tomorrow is the next day. So yeah, consistent consistency for me has been really the name of the game because, I, again, I'm not necessarily the smartest or the fastest or the best, 
but I do believe a consistent B player, uh, a consistent B minus player is more valuable than a very spotty A plus player. I really believe that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like a compounding effect, right? Yep. It's going to grow over time as you as you continue working at it. Yep, 100%. You know, and you, you talked about the um, imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had heard somebody was talking recently about the imposter syndrome just means that you're that you're pushing yourself, right? You're always going to feel that because you're growing as a person, right? You're, you're moving into the next level. And so if you're not occasionally feeling that imposter syndrome, then I'd, I'd argue that you're, you may not be pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. And once again, that goes to the just, you know, you're, you're following the path of least resistance and being comfortable versus actually, you know, pushing yourself. Um, limiting beliefs, I think, hold a lot of people back. And it's almost this fear-based thing. You faced a lot of that stuff head on, really. Um, are you, would you say you're somebody that's motivated by pushing yourself beyond that? Or are you still having to tell yourself, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to have to push back this or do you, you know, is it your partner that you, you kind of bounce things off of? How are you pushing yourself past some of those limiting beliefs? Yeah. One of the, one of the very honest discussions I have with myself often is, and this, I know this isn't for everybody. This is, this might work for some people. Either you do what it takes or you don't get the goal. I'm very clear on Either I do what it takes to get the goal or I just, I don't get the goal and I can't be mad about it and I can't blame other people. It really is up to me. That's one of the honest conversations I have. Secondly, to your point, I happen to have a business partner who is a genius and he works harder than anybody I've ever met in my entire life. And he's just as, if not more consistent than I am. So if I want to keep up, I got to get my stuff together and I got to keep my stuff together. And then I think the third part is, I still, I still struggle with it. There are, I think we have negotiables and then we have hard no's. So as an example, my wife and I went to Colorado. We got, we got married in Colorado a couple of weeks ago. And she was like, I want to do a hot air balloon. And I was like, there's no way I can. <laughs> that is yes. a hard no for me. Hard no. Hard Absolutely. no. Hard no. Then I did research. I got numbers and realized, oh, it's it's safer than I thought. All right, cool. All right, I'll do it based on the data. The night before, I literally said to her, I don't think I can do this. I know I was talking a big game. I know I was brave, but this is too far outside of my comfort zone. It's going to like physically break me if I do this. I know myself enough at this level. So, but at one point, Phil, me getting on a plane was a hard no. Mm -hmm. Now I get on planes. I don't enjoy it. I'm still anxious, but it's something I can do. So, what I think the understanding is, is when you have a limiting belief, it only allows you to see just beyond that limiting belief, that fear. But when you accomplish that, you can see the next peak. And then when you get to that peak, you can see the next peak. So for me, I have enough positive bids with other fear chasing moments where I look back and realize, oh, that was something that didn't necessarily produce a positive result but it produced a positive example of what fear change could be. Alan, my co-host and I went to this private Island party and you needed a password to get in. And I was so afraid. I was like, everybody's going to know I'm a fraud. What are we doing here? This is gonna be terrible. I didn't necessarily meet anybody that changed my life, but the fact that I did it proved to myself that, Oh, 
that is something you never would have done. You got a result you never would have gotten. It's actually pretty good, all things considered. So I think it gets easier as you go. As you go, the walls lower a little bit, and at least you can see what's over them. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. No, it's the same way for me. You described uh, uh, my sister-in-law has a, an all-female skydiving team, and she's asked me plenty of times, hey, you want to go skydiving? Oh. Nope. I have no <laughs> desire. That's not, so I don't know if that's a fear-based thing. It just doesn't serve a purpose to, you know, yeah. anything. So that's I'm, I'm with you, man. You and I will watch from the ground. Absolutely. Yeah. I have no problem getting into a plane. It's just, I don't want to jump out of it. Understandable. Unless that thing's crashing or something. I, I don't want to get out of it. Um. So do you, are you somebody that sets goals? You have long-term goals that you're working on? Yeah, yeah. We and again, this this isn't my natural tendency. So I have I have had a lot of mentorship and coaching in this in this arena. But uh, our goal is to our biggest goal is to have the most successful podcast ever of all time in terms of self improvement. And then we have like smaller goals along the way of you know x amount of impact and x amount of profitability year over year over year over year that type of thing. That's like the specific side of it. But really, the the day-to-day goals are just move the needle 1%. That, that's it. It's very much, I have a whiteboard of things to get done. Pick three big things, get those done, do a bunch of interviews, do a bunch of coaching calls, and just try to get a little bit better every single day. And if you can reverse engineer your big goals based on your day-to-day goals, I believe that's how you can you can really do it. There's, I think there's goal setting and there's goal strategizing. It would be very easy for me to say, I want to lose 10 pounds in 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. But unless I understand the strategy, I think that's where a lot of people get lost is they're setting giant goals, but they don't have the awareness or the the strategizing to actually understand what that'll take. And then it's like a surprise when you get that first hit. It's like, oh, I gained weight. That's not good. Yeah, that's well, the opposite way. Right? So I think that's a that's a very important understanding for me is – it's very hard for me to set goals unless I have the awareness on how to actually accomplish them because awareness has always been my blind spot. I'm a good operator. I can show up and do it. I usually don't know how to do it. That's usually the blind spot for me. So understanding the difference between setting it and strategizing has been very impactful for me. And would you say, is that something that your business partner compliments you well yes. on? Is he, he better at the strategic? Yeah. He okay. doesn't, he, at, at one point it was detrimental, but he doesn't care about today at all. Other than get 1% better, he doesn't care if we're broke. He doesn't care if we don't have any listens. He knows in 50 years, everything will work out. And he's so far into the future that it's it, at times it's been hard for us to not work together, but like be on the same page. But mm-hmm. I also bring him to the day-to-day of like, hey, man, uh, I know X is going to happen in 10 years, but if we don't do blank now, we're really shooting ourselves in the foot. Or what if this one short-term thought sped up everything for the next 50 years? That's our, our relationship is very much, he's the Steve Jobs of the company and I am the day-to-day micro thinker of like, what if we do this? What if we do this? What if we pull this lever? But he has been very instrumental in my growth for sure. Yeah, so in your situation, you have somebody who's really helping you out with areas that you're not great at, right? Yep. So complimenting you well. Um how do you determine what things that you want to personally focus on from a limiting belief standpoint, from a personal growth standpoint, and what things you want to say, you know what, it's great to just have a partner kind of handle this thing. I'm never going to be an expert at that. I'm never going to be great at that. You know, I'd rather have him handle that. You know, how, how would, how did you decide that? How do you determine those, those type of things? 
I will transparently say for the beginning of this journey, I thought I was the leader and I was doing it all. And I thought I was the best at everything. And that ended up shifting throughout. So I definitely didn't understand this at the beginning. What I think helped was I, my mission statement, like my purpose in life. Yeah. It's to bring self-improvement to the masses and all of that. But at a deep, deep, deep level, my purpose is to be the most extraordinary version of myself, but to never forget what it was like not to be. I have this giant fear of not being relatable. Mm -hmm. And I realize if I'm not relatable, it's very hard to help people. So that that's how I decide what I want to do and what I don't want to do now more than ever. Alan said to me, he's like, I think I'm going to go, uh, go to school for um, neuroscience. He's like, I'm, I think I'm going to go get my PhD in neuroscience. I was like, okay, I'm not. That's not, I have zero interest in that. So yeah, I think it's, I now feel like I actually have the permission to be me. Where for a long time, I've seen this with many business partnerships. One person assumes they have to be the other person and they have to compliment them in the same exact way when that's not how compliments work, right? You don't compliment something by being the same. You compliment something by having unique strengths and unique weaknesses. So I have understood that I can raise all of my weaknesses to a level, but it would really benefit me to go all in on the things that I am better at. So as an example, Alan doesn't do any other media. He doesn't do any other podcasts. He All he does is coach. He coaches the team. He coaches our clients and he does business development. I have done 30, I'll do 33 podcasts this week. Oh, That's wow. my jam. You send me out. Yeah. You, you put the spring in the back, you turn yeah. it and I'll, I'll just go. go as long as I can. But that's taken us five years to realize that both of our time, it's different. It's valuable mm -hmm. in different places. So yeah, long answer. Um, I, I realize what I want to get really good at. And I realize that if I pour a little bit of water into a bunch of buckets, I'm not going to get that much better. But if I pour all of my water into like five big buckets, that'll be good there. And then we have a team. So that, that's an important part as well is where we're further along than we were in the beginning. Absolutely. No, that's great. And I, I think understanding things that don't bring you joy, don't bring you energy and, and things that you don't want to focus on is, is just as important as the goals that you're working on. Yeah. Um, and then if yeah. you're able to find somebody that compliments you really well, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, we're in a good place. That's, that's interesting too. Like, circumstantially it's at the point where I don't have to do certain things anymore, where in the beginning I was doing audio editing, video editing, I was doing everything, mm -hmm. but we sat down and we drew a genius target. So just think of it, a bullseye with three layers and in the middle for me is podcasting. So anything I can do, you know, connected to podcasting, that's my jam. And then it was coaching and then it was speaking. Those are, those are my three where Alan's is coaching first. Alan is a coach. So yeah, it's really sitting down and understanding what, what is the best use of your time based on your skills, the alignment that you enjoy it with, and your ability to do it sustainably and consistently, really. Yeah. Now, the sustainability and the consistency is, is incredibly important. You know, when you look at um, successful businesses, successful entrepreneurs, I wouldn't say it's the ones that spiked right mm -hmm. it's the ones that have done it for year over year over year those are the people that i'm talking to saying hey what did you do what did you learn right yeah. and it was never hey it's a constant up it was it was an up 
down, up, down, and we figured it out. And it was all about consistent growth over time. Yeah. And I can't stand the word viral. Like when people say like, this is how you go viral, that going viral isn't necessarily the way to build a business, a right. sustainable business. And I don't, that's something I'm like, like I'm not against it because I think it's important, but sure. you got to have the the foundation. And usually the foundation comes from the five years you're not winning because yeah. you're building such concrete systems in the background. So yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent consistent. If it's, if the graph is going up into the right, you're going to be fine. Like just keep doing what you're doing versus hoping one day you're going to make it big and everything's going to happen overnight. It's, it's not going to work that way. Yeah, no, it's true. And if you just look at the results in certain situations, you, you'll get the the wrong answer too, right? Mm. Like if you looked at somebody said, Hey, that guy's a millionaire. Yeah. But you won the lottery, right? Yeah, right. Like it was a very rare situation. Right. You know? Yeah. That may not be somebody you want to model behavior off of, right? Yeah. For when it yeah. comes to financial management and things like that, they just kind of lucked out in that scenario. Yeah. Right? yeah, for sure. So I think the results sometimes can be deceiving when you when you break it down and say, okay, what are the behaviors and the things that actually attributed to this success yeah. or whatever it is? Yeah. Right? That's a wonderful point. Yeah, behaviors. I'm I'm reading a book called The Psychology of Money by I think it's Morgan Morgan Hustle, I think, Morgan Hustle. And one of the things he says in that book is it's it's far more important what you do than what you know. And mm. it was such an interesting thing. Now, obviously, what you do usually is correlated to what you know, but the behavior, to your point, the behaviors that you're taking every single day, that's what's really going to add up in the, the grand scheme of things. So just want to touch on that. No, that's great. So interviewing a lot of people, um, I can always ask somebody on the Successes podcast, what book are you reading right now? And oftentimes right on the podcast, they'll pull it up or they'll tell me right, you know, right then and there what book they're reading. And I, I find it interesting because it's it's such a common behavior between success. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why more people don't realize this, you know, uh, successful people read and they read a lot, you know. And so one of the things I'd like to ask you is, is what book are you reading right now? And can you tell us a little bit about it? The Psychology of Money. That That's, yeah, I'm reading The Psychology of Money because- as the CFO, I'm always trying to learn more about money and understand the mindset and behaviors behind it. So that is something I'm focused on right now. It's a very simple book that breaks, it breaks the understanding that, and this is like the the big idea. It's not about short-term, it's about long-term. Hmm. And if you think about it from like most millionaires, well, most billionaires are over 50 because they've been doing it for such a long time. And I think that's the understanding is a lot of people find wealth later in life, but it's because they were doing the right behaviors early on. That's that's the best way to look at it is it happens it happens early, it happens forever and the result comes eventually. So that's kind of the through line of of that book. Another great book that I read quite often is Business Made Simple by Donald Miller. Mm-hmm. Wonderful book. Donald Miller his brand is blank made simple and he makes it very, very simple. So that's a wonderful book as well. Great. No, I love hearing it. I, I've started asking my guests about the books they're reading mm. um, because I, I think it's uh, it's it's fascinating to hear about it. And um, I have yet to talk to a person who has found great success in life that doesn't have regular continuing education and reading as part of their um, daily or weekly routine. So so important. I'm always fascinated by that. Well, thank you for getting on with us today, Kevin. We appreciate your time today. Uh, for anyone that wants to reach out to you to follow you, uh, where do we find you? Yeah. Um, if you want to listen to our podcast, we are at 
uh, we are Next Level University. We're on all the major podcast platforms. We're on YouTube as well. And then my handle is at NeverQuickKid on Instagram. If you have any questions or anything, do not ever hesitate to reach out. I do my own social media. I do my own DM. So I would love to connect. Awesome. Thank you very much, Kevin. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you next time.